The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the Pro Football Talk Live podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's September 27, PFT PM. The working title. Officially unofficial title of the afternoon edition of what we do for three hours every morning, PFT Live, radio and TV. But that's the morning. Things happen from 9 a.m. Eastern until late afternoon when we record this and we try to get it together by 5 p.m. Eastern. So you have something to listen to on the way home, something new. We appreciate if you listen to what we did this morning. But you got all day to listen to that. And some of it may be stale. Some of it may be dated, especially on the issues that are constantly giving us new fodder for discussion. Case in point, President Trump still talking about the national anthem issue, still tweeting about the national anthem issue. He tweeted this morning, praise for Jerry Jones. And... It caused some to think, and they're kind of cute when they're naive, it caused some to think that by praising Jerry Jones, and what he said is, I spoke to Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Jerry is a winner who knows how to get things done. Players will stand for country exclamation point. That caused some to think that maybe it's ending. Maybe that's a way for the president to declare victory and move on. Players will stand for the country. Exclamation point. And I thought, hey, maybe Jerry Jones told him what we did Monday night is what we are working to have other teams do. If they have concerns to be raised, we take a knee before the anthem. We lock arms. We do something other than kneel or sit for the anthem. And we're working to have all 32 teams get there. Well, If it was a truce, it was short-lived. Speaking to reporters as he was getting on Marine One, I think he's speaking in Indianapolis on Wednesday afternoon. He was asked about one specific aspect of this that keeps coming up. The apparent hypocrisy between defending the First Amendment rights of the neo-Nazis, KKK members, and white supremacists who protested in Charlottesville, the removal of Confederate-era statues versus the First Amendment rights of people like Colin Kaepernick and other NFL players who choose in order to shed light on an aspect of the American life about which they are concerned. How do you reconcile the two when the president defends one group, at least their right to protest and attacks the other? And he didn't answer the question didn't even try. I mean, hey, if you can pull it off, Godspeed. Someone asks you a direct question and you just answer a different question. You just act like the question wasn't even asked. Other than to bring up the topic. 
I think the NFL is in a box, he said. I think they're in a really bad box. You look at what's happening with their ratings. You look at what's going on. I mean, frankly, the only thing that's doing well in the NFL is the pregame because everybody wants to see what's going on. The NFL is in a very bad box. You cannot have people disrespecting our national anthem, our flag, our country, and that's what they're doing. And in my opinion, the NFL has to change. Or you know what's going to happen? Their business is going to go to hell. End of quote. Boy, as I was reading that, I'm thinking, if somebody really wanted to be unfair, they would clip that and make those words sound like mine. Those aren't my words. That's President Trump. And look, Here's what we know from that quote. Number one, the issue isn't going away. Number two, he's not going to entertain the other side of the issue. He's not going to get into the mental gymnastics necessary to justify defending the First Amendment rights of racists, neo-Nazis, KKK members, white supremacists, and NFL players who choose to protest. He's not going down that rabbit hole. He doesn't want to. He doesn't need to. And if you ask him, he's going to ignore you. It's about the belief that everyone must stand during the national anthem. Everyone. And you don't use that as a platform to protest. And that's why there is no middle ground here. Because on one hand, you have people who think, no way, no how, never do you exercise First Amendment rights during the national anthem? You have another group that says, well, that's what America is all about. The exercise of your right to say something others may not like. At least respect the fact that if you disagree with my position, and I've yet to hear anyone disagree. That's what's odd about this. No one has disagreed with the fundamental premise that we still have a lot to do to have true racial equality. We still have a lot to do to have true justice among all races, which is part of justice for all. The final words of the Pledge of Allegiance, with liberty and justice for all, not some, not most, not the vast majority, all. I've yet to hear a single person who believes that protests are inherently disrespectful to flag nation and military say well what these guys are protesting is erroneous we disagree with it that makes it all the more important to find a way to allow these concerns to be raised separate from the anthem i think this all got started not as part of some grand plan colin kaepernick didn't issue a press release. He didn't have a press conference. He didn't even tell anyone what he was doing. For two games in the 2016 preseason, he sat during the anthem as a silent and peaceful protest against one aspect of the American life that does not guarantee justice for all. And it was only until his name was visible on the back of his jersey because he was in uniform that anyone even noticed. And then he was asked about it and he spoke about it. And look, has his handling of it, was it perfect last year with the pig socks and the Castro shirt? No. But we've moved past that. The core issue that sparked the continued protests, no one has said those are invalid. Now, over the weekend, a lot of the protest was directed at the president because he challenged football players. He demeaned them 
challenged them, basically told them, do what you're told. You don't have rights. Because you make a lot of money, you don't have First Amendment rights. You're not allowed to exercise them on the platform that, that you have earned through your superior physical skills and hard work over the years and assuming every time you walk across the line risk of short-term and long-term injury. They just need to find a way. And it's on the commissioner. I keep saying this, but I, I feel like, and you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe somebody else is saying this. I feel like I'm shouting into an empty room. The commissioner is the one who needs to fix this. I, is anybody talking about a solution to this? Team by team, it looks like they are coming up with ways to carve out the anthem from the protest. The Packers want everyone to stand and lock arms on Thursday night. The Falcons want the same thing. The Cowboys found a way to break this apart from the anthem. I'm not hearing anybody say, you know what the NFL really needs to do? The NFL needs to put this thing to bed once and for all. And it's on the person who leads the sport to do it. And I think that may be because some in the media like the fact that this controversy is good for business. Every time there's a development, somebody's going to click. Somebody's going to tune in. Somebody's going to want to hear what needs to be said. Man, I, I wish it would end. I'd rather talk about football. I don't care about this anymore. I mean, I care about it because it's an important issue from the standpoint of it has to be fixed and the players have rights and they're using them. But the value of this to me personally, I mean, it's, if, there's no, if there's no ending to it, I don't want to hear about it. I still hear about it. I cover it. I have to. But I want to be covering the solution. You know, if you have a problem, you solve it. You don't just sit around and say, hey, I got a problem. Hey, my toilet's overflowing. Well, how about that? Well, I got a problem. That's not going to be good for anybody. Well, what should we do? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Okay, what do you want to talk about? Well, the toilet's overflowing. Okay, well, what happens if it keeps overflowing? Well, we're going to have a problem. Okay. Yeah, you got to fix it. And it's on the guy who makes whatever it is now. We don't know how much he makes, so people just assume it's $40 million a year. Because it's all secret now. That was the practical impact of the people who wanted to give the NFL a hard time because the league office was tax-exempt. The teams were paying taxes, but people liked creating the impression, the false impression, that the NFL wasn't paying taxes either at the team or league level. And now we don't know what the commissioner makes. So $40 million, whatever. It's something million. He's in the top 1%. He's in the top 1% of the top 1%. And it's time for him to do... 99.9% of the fixing of this. And, and if he is, they're not saying anything about it. They should be. They should be making it known. They should be leaking to people. It doesn't have to be me. It could be Shefty. It can be anybody. The efforts of the commissioner to work with teams to try to fix this. Somebody needs to try to fix this. I, I don't know that the NFL is going to hell over it. Maybe purgatory. But they got to fix this. A couple other quotes from Wednesday you may have missed. Dak Prescott was asked about the president. The Cowboys quarterback said, I'm not here to judge what the president said. He's free to speak just like the rest of us are. He's going to say whatever he wants. We've all figured that out. For me, it's just about doing the best I can to help this team and show unity about what we're trying to accomplish in this country. Well said. Mike Evans, the Buccaneers receiver, who at one point last year, didn't stand for the anthem and 
He apologized for it after the fact. Well, he didn't stand this past Sunday. And he was asked what he's going to do going forward. Because that's the real question. Is this going to die down? He told reporters on Wednesday, I think guys will get back to their normal routine. I'm 50-50 right now. I might go back to my normal routine and stand next to my quarterback and my head coach, or I might take a knee. I don't know. It was a good time for the league to unite. That moment with the president's words, I addressed what I had to say Sunday. And, And Mike Evans does not believe that the protests are going to affect the NFL. He doesn't think the NFL is going to hell. He says people are going to come to games. Football is one of the best sports in the world, so people are going to come to the games. And let me just say one more thing about that. I see different media outlets giving attention to these yahoos who are burning things. And one guy almost blew himself up trying to burn a jersey. Just because one person does it and does it on camera and does it obviously for attention, that doesn't mean that There's some massive movement of people burning their NFL merchandise. I saw one guy who was supposedly throwing his tickets into a fire. I I couldn't tell if they were the tickets. Just because one person does it and puts it on camera for the world to see. Look, the numbers are what they are. And we'll see what the numbers do this weekend. Starting Thursday night, Bears-Packers. We'll see what the ratings are. Does this cause people to deprive themselves of something that they enjoy. You know, when your team stinks, you still watch it play. These are deep bonds. These are deep emotional bonds that fans have for their football teams. And I just wonder how big of fans the folks are who are hijacking this process for the purposes of making their political statement. And that's the other problem I have with this. There's so many people who are hijacking this process for their own personal use. And that's, that's what disgusts me. You're really not a fan. You're, you're using this. You're manipulating this to say what you want to say. All right, I got some more to say about a few other things around the NFL. How about Andrew Luck not practicing again this week? His head coach, Chuck Pagano, suggested over the weekend he would practice this week. He's not practicing this week. And he's obviously not playing this week. So 25% of the season... Andrew Luck will not have played for a surgical procedure that he underwent in January. And... His owner at the time said he will be ready for the start of the season, exclamation point. This was either grossly mismanaged by the Colts or the Colts lied to their fans. Those are the fans who should be mad, not about anthem protests. They should be mad about the possibility that they've been lied to. They were either negligently or intentionally lied to. Negligent misrepresentation, that's what the theory is known as in the legal system. That's when you end up telling a lie accidentally but through the exercise of negligence. Oh, yeah, it'll be fine. You mean it, but you know or should know otherwise. If I was a Colts fan, I'd be upset. Oh, they beat the Browns. Let's chop up the ticker tape. Let's see what they do Sunday night in Seattle against a desperate team. A desperate team at 1-2 and two on national TV. You think Seattle is going to let the Colts beat them? Well, based upon what we saw last weekend, Colts probably will beat them. We'll see when Andrew Luck practices. I just feel like they keep pushing this, he's close, he's close, he's close, he's close, to get people to not check out. He's close. Oh, no, he's close. No, hang in there. Keep coming to the games. Keep buying jerseys. Keep supporting us. Keep watching us on TV. He's close. Support the team. Paint your face. 
Get a tattoo. Support the team. Support, support, support. He's close. I say baloney. And I just wonder how much of this was deliberate. Sam Bradford, clearly not deliberate. A guy who was perfectly healthy entering the season. He had a stellar performance, a career night against the Saints, week one. And now, not. Now, Sam Bradford hasn't played. And what's alarming to me, on Wednesday, he didn't even practice. The past two weeks on Wednesdays, he was a limited participant in practice. This Wednesday, he didn't even practice. And there's still this cloud of ambiguity about what's really wrong. Non-contact injury, there was a bone bruise that was leaked at one point. And, and I've been down this rabbit hole trying to get to the truth. Always oh, fine, always oh, day-to-day, no structural damage. Well, what's causing the swelling then? Why is his knee swelling if everything in the knee is fine? Meanwhile, Case Keenum, who played like he always does against the Buccaneers. We'll see what he can do against the Lions. And this is a critical game this weekend, both for the Lions and for the Vikings. Because you look at last year, they played each other twice, as they always do. Both games were close. Both games were hard fought. One went to overtime. The other one looked like it was headed for overtime until the Lions baited Sam Bradford into throwing an interception late in regulation. The Lions win both of those games and go to the playoffs. If the Vikings win both of those games, the Vikings go to the playoffs and the Lions don't. So this is a huge game this weekend for these two teams because it's quite possible if there's another sweep this year, the team that does the sweeping goes and the team that gets swept doesn't go. And both are 2-1. and one. It's a heck of a game. Packers win Thursday night. They go to 3-1. and one. The winner of the Lions-Vikings game keeps pace with Green Bay. Also from that game, Everson Griffin, Vikings defensive end, had some criticism of Greg Robinson, the failed former top two draft pick of the Rams, who was traded for basically nothing to the Lions. To be honest, he's kind of lazy, Griffin said, of Robinson. This is via the St. Paul Pioneer Press. He's lazy. He gets beat on the inside. I think the biggest thing is he's got to compete more. Yeah, he's pretty lazy. I feel like the rest of the offensive line, they do pretty well. But to me, he's pretty lazy. Everson, why would you say that? Why why would you say that before the game? Why would you give the guy any motivation or incentive to not be lazy? You're going to challenge him? Didn't we see last week what happens when you challenge a football player? Why would you do that? And you know what? My understanding of Greg Robinson, who played at Auburn, it's not an issue of laziness per se. There was a concern back when he was taken second overall by the Rams that he wouldn't be able to process the NFL game. That just as quarterbacks at the college level aren't asked to do much because they're micromanaged by their coach in certain systems, offensive linemen in those systems aren't asked to do much either. There's not the kind of complexity that you see. So it may be he's getting beat on the inside, not because he's lazy, but he doesn't understand what he needs to do in a given situation. Either way, Everson Griffin giving Greg Robinson extra motivation to show up and have a great game as the Lions try to handle a good Vikings defense and a defense that stepped up in a big, my gosh, the way the Vikings defense stepped up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Can they do it at home against the Lions on Sunday? That's the question. And can Greg Robinson perform anywhere close to what the Rams thought he would be when they made him the second overall pick? That was one of the RG3 picks, too. Boy, that was just a mess for everybody, wasn't it? Johnny Manziel's career is still a mess. And and I, I, I believe that there's a lot more to the story regarding what's happening with Manziel and the CFL. I don't think we're getting the full truth about this. Now, the Hamilton Tiger Cats were ready to sign him earlier this season. After their bye, they had hired June Jones to be the coach. They wanted to bring Art Bryles up. And the reaction to the potential hiring of Art Bryles, I believe, caused the Hamilton Tiger Cats to stick their head in the sand regarding Johnny Manziel. They still wanted Manziel. Eventually, Manziel invoked the 10-day sign-me-or-release-me window. That got extended, and now it's extended until the end of November, and Manziel won't be playing in the CFL this year. The Tiger Cats have his rights until November 30. So he's going to be on the negotiation list until November 30, and it looks like if anything happens, he'll play in the CFL next year. Okay, but the clock is ticking. This guy hasn't played in the NFL or CFL or anywhere in what will be two full seasons. What's he going to do? He issued a statement on Wednesday afternoon that reads as follows. I recently had a really positive meeting with Commissioner Ambrosi of the CFL and welcomed the chance for us to get to know each other and have an in-depth talk about a possible future with the CFL. I love this game and want to be back on the field in a situation where I can help a franchise in the long term. Over the past months, my agent helped me vet all of my options for playing, figuring out where I could be most effective and get back to having the most fun with the game I love. I'm ready to play today. But we all agreed with the commissioner that it made no sense for me to join a team with only a month left in the season. It wouldn't have been fair to my teammates, coaches, or the fan base. I want to come into a team and earn my job day one like everyone else. I look forward to preparing myself as best I can and look forward to what the future holds. Get the impression he's going to be playing in the CFL next year. From the start of the season. Not as some, oh boy, we stink and no one's interested in us. Let's go out and bring in a quarterback that may attract some attention. I, that may be what the Colts eventually have to do if people start abandoning ship on their season. Although Jacoby Brissett has done well. Just imagine how much better he would have done if they had acquired his rights at some point before Labor Day weekend. And if he would have had a chance to get ready. Scott Tolzien, my gosh. Finally getting your chance, Scott. Here you go. All these years of grinding, you're going to be a week one starter, and you were, and then you were gone. He had his chance, though. He had a shot. Can't complain. He had a shot, and it just didn't work. A couple other things before we wrap. Brett Musburger had some comments about Tony Romo that were intriguing to me. We, we talked about them briefly on the radio show this morning, but I got the heart out. Like we, we, We've tried to find an offbeat thing to discuss the final segment of the first hour and if I go over a little bit in the third segment of the first hour I don't have a whole lot of time I got like four or five minutes before you know the hard out that's the industry term that's the hard break that's the point where they pull the plug on you no matter what whether you're talking or not talking at that moment gone you have to talk right up to that moment or at least until the 30 seconds where they play music that's what that when you hear music at the end of a radio segment, that means a hard break is coming. 
And when the music stops, the plug gets pulled. And you can stop a little early, and then the music just keeps playing right up until the hard point. Now, what some will do, like me, is try to take it right up to the edge. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Anyway, none of that matters. What matters is what Brent Musburger had to say about Tony Romo. Tony, get off it. First of all, you're intruding on your play-by-play man, Jim Nance, who's just trying to give us the scene. And the more years you spend away from the league, you're going to know less and less about the personnel that's out on the field. So I'm blowing a stop the hype right now. Now, this is in reference to the legend of Tony Romo that has emerged in three weeks of the NFL season regarding his uncanny ability to predict what play is coming. Now, I'm glad Brent Musburger said it first because I feel like less of a jerk because I've been kind of the naysayer with Romo on a couple of different things. First of all, he's got to work on his voice. And look, I'm no James Earl Jones or Morgan Freeman, but you learn to get the most out of the thing you use to communicate. When to speed up, when to slow down, when to talk loudly, when to talk softly, how to manipulate your vocal cords and your mouth to emit words in a way that is either pleasing to the ear or not grating to the ear. And with Romo, he's got that squeaky Peter Brady going through puberty thing. And I'm really going to listen to him Thursday night. See, because when he's been on so far this year, he was in the first two weeks in the 1 o'clock Eastern cluster of games, and you only hear bits and pieces of what he has to say. And then the late afternoon game this past weekend, we, we had just so much going on trying to get Football Night in America ready with the anthem issue. I didn't hear much of what he had to say in that game. But the key is Thursday night, everyone's going to be watching. And he's going to have less time to prepare. Now, look, apart from the vocal issues, because that's the easy part. If CBS is conscientious about it, and if they're willing to say to him, Tony, we need to help you get the most out of what you have. You're not going to be Morgan Freeman. You're not going to be Sam Elliott. You're not going to have a distinctive voice that just rolls and resonates. And next to Jim Nance, who is as smooth as it comes, it, it does stand out. Just like it did with Phil Simms. We got used to Phil Simms over the years. Phil Simms never had a great voice or a great manner of speaking. Romo needs to work on that. What he doesn't need to work on is his ability to spot what's coming. Musburger thinks he's stepping on, that he's bigfooting his partner when Jim Nance is trying to do his job of setting up the play, calling the play, describing the play. Not that it's radio. If it's radio, it's more important. But regardless, that's the way the, the ritual works. That's the, the etiquette. And you got Tony blurting out what's going to happen. Here, here's the reality. I sit next to a guy every week at NBC, and I've been doing it since 2010 in Rodney Harrison. And he knows what's coming often. He's not perfect. He's not always right. But I'll tell you what, far more often than not, he knows what's coming. And he doesn't have the benefit of studying the team's film in excruciating detail because he's going to be calling that team's game. And, And he isn't at practice watching that team comes from his years of playing. And it makes me wonder how many other guys can do what Romo's doing, but they just don't do it. 
They're not showing off or they're operating within the boundaries of the broadcast. The Romo's just like that. Hey, kid. Hey, Ma, look at me, kid. Look at me. No hands. Look what I can do. A lot of people can do it. I think a lot of people can do it. A lot of people can do it. And we're acting like he's out there doing magic tricks. That's what's weird. I've been sitting next to eight years now with Rodney Harrison. He'll see a formation. He'll see the defense. And he'll know what the offense is going to do, especially in the red zone. Uncanny ability in the red zone to know where a play's going. Uncanny. Just from looking at it. Just from the years he played in the NFL. Red zone's a different animal. It's all pressed together. You don't have to worry about getting beat over the top. It's a chess match in a phone booth when you're down in the red zone. But I think there are plenty of broadcasters who could do what Romo does. And now what's going to happen, you're going to have some of these other broadcasters say, hey, Romo's making us all look bad. I want to do this too. Now, you better be right. Romo has been right. But how much does it add to the broadcast to have someone tell you what the play is going to be before it happens? Now, where the eva- the evaluation and the analysis is important is in the replay, if he can point out that the quarterback made a bad decision and here's why. And when the safety went this way, the quarterback should have gone that way. Or, you know, w- w- it's always great to see those replays and the analysis of how a quarterback manipulates defensive backs with his eyes. I mean, th- those are all valuable. I, I don't know. It's not quite to the level of Chris Berman tipping draft picks. But still, I think we, we just want to see what happens. Like, let's just let it happen. Tell us what happened, not what's going to happen. That's Brent Musburger's attitude. And, and my, my bigger picture is I wonder how many other people can do this. I think there are a lot of guys who played in the NFL who can do it. Now, Musburger's comment about the more time he spends away from the league, the less he's going to know about personnel that's out on the field. I, that's a different take altogether. That, that's an admonition for anyone who played in the NFL who then gets into broadcasting, typically studio work. You can rely on the, what you know about the players you know and the players you prepared to face for three, four, five years. The challenge is, and I had this conversation with Rodney early on in his time at NBC, you got a shelf life if you don't show a broader command of the game from the perspective of all the new players who come in since you've left, all the new coaches who have taken over since you've left. Because a guy quickly becomes irrelevant if he isn't grinding the way a fan would grind or the way a non-player broadcaster grinds, knowing what's going on in the league, knowing who the people are, knowing how they perform. you got to have that passion for it. And some former players, it's like they're above being a fan of the game. And to his credit, Romo's got that enthusiasm. It comes through. It doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem fake. With some of these guys, I wonder if it's real. I'm not going to name names. Today, with with Tony Romo, I, I don't get the impression that it's fake. I get the impression that it's real. All right. It's been real. That's the only segue I had. I get another chance on Friday to do better. I I hope I've entertained you and informed you for the last 30 minutes or so and helped make your trip home from work a little more enjoyable or a little less unenjoyable, whatever the case may be. We do the PFTPM podcast at least three days a week during football season. We will be doing it again on Friday with a full preview of week four. Possibly I'll rope MDS again into joining me 
we went through every game last week. Maybe we'll do that again, or maybe I'll find some other sucker at PFT who can't say no, who won't dare say no. Or he or she will be going to hell, just like the NFL. On that note, thanks for joining us. Thursdays, PFT Live, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern, NBC Sports Radio and NBCSN. And as always, ProFootballTalk.com, your one-stop shop for everything that is happening in the National Football League. Thank you so much for your ongoing support. Enjoy your evening, and we will do this again on Friday afternoon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.